G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. We have all been certainly moved by the disturbing images that we've been seeing in the media, uh, things changing by the hour uh, over the Israel uh, war against the terrorist organization Hamas. And there's all sorts of issues that are arising in our Christian thinking about the people of Israel, God's chosen people, how we think about the people of Israel. And it does seem that in a number of circles, Christians have been a little under some level of confusion about where they stand, thinking about the people of Israel. Well, Bill Muhlenberg has been thinking through some really serious issues on this this past week, and he's written an article which is about one of those very key concerns and one of those things that helps us to get some clarity on issues. And he's written an article called On Replacement Theology and Introduction. Bill Muhlenberg, a deep one to get into today, but welcome back to 2020. Many thanks. Bill, when we say this is deep, um, let's just start with very basic things and set up a context here. When we say replacement theology, what we're talking about here is the thought that some have that the church has replaced the people of Israel as God's chosen people. How do you see that? Yeah, well, it's a big one, Uh, complex issue, many layers and nuances, so... uh, um, well, look, two names, whether they are always appreciated by those holding to the view, but replacement theology or sometimes supersessionism, <clears throat> I guess both terms, as you say, gives it away already. Either, you know, the church supersedes Israel or replaces Israel. So the line is basically that present and future Israel does not so much have a unique and separate role to play anymore in God's purposes and plans, but, well, there's really one people of God. They were Israel. Now it's the church. Together they are the people of God, you could say. But it's really the church today that God is focusing on. So there's one kind of broad camp, more the Reformed folks, uh, what's known as covenant theology, certainly holds to this. Another broad camp on the other side, certainly the dispensationalists, uh, the pre-mill gang and so on, uh, who do indeed believe God is not done with Israel yet. He's still got plans and purposes, and there should be not only excitement about physical Israel today in uh, the Middle East, but uh, perhaps a future uh, real, uh, well, bunch of Jews coming to know the Lord, not just the kind of small remnant we see now, but a huge maybe in-gathering of the Jewish people at end time. So those are broadly the two main camps. There are divisions and variations within each camp, and maybe in a moment I can mention kind of a third broad camp, but that's kind of 
the lay of the land. <laughs> uh, two is enough for us today, uh, but uh, you, you've basically you set out, you know, when you say covenant theology, uh, that's the yep. idea that God, uh, you can look at history and you can break it down by God's covenants uh, from Genesis through until uh, the new covenant with Christ and then, uh, you know, for what happens beyond there. And then, of course, the dispensationalists, the idea of breaking down the history of the world into certain dispensations, and they are different. But do they have different outcomes in the way you think about the people of Israel, depending on which side you're on? Well, yes. And um, again, it can get complex. Uh, Your eschatology, your view of the end times obviously comes into play here. Most reformed folks, covenant theologians, more post-mill or ah-mill, if you know those options, Whereas almost all, well, pretty much you have to be uh, pre-mill, pre-millennial. If you're a dispensationalist, that is, Christ will come back, uh, set up his a thousand-year reign, and then after that is finalized his, you know, actual second advent, and then it all comes to an end. Whereas the other views either... Uh, Christ is being, his kingdom is kind of being set up now by his people, or in fact, maybe the whole idea of a millennium, not mentioned much at all, except in a place or two in Revelation is more of a, oh, well, a symbolic or representative. It doesn't have to be a literal thousand year reign. So anyways, that's another big aspect of the debate. Again, the two camps tend to fall on either side, but, you know, as you said, uh, we got a big conflict right now, right, in Israel with Hamas. So partly your views on these matters could well determine how you look at the conflict, right? If you're dispensationalist, believe God is not at all given up on Israel, certainly has a place and purpose for them. Well, you know, the idea of let's support Israel and let's support uh, their efforts to, well, remain a nation, uh, to stand against the terrorists, Uh, That's vital. Uh, Now, you can, you don't have to at all, of course, but you can on the other camp because you think, oh, well, God really doesn't have an actual purpose for current physical Israel. You can maybe take a less, uh, you know, worrying view or supportive view of Israel. Uh, Then you just say, well, Israel is just another nation like all the rest and, you know, whatever happens. Let me just say at this point, uh, quickly, I used to be gung-ho, pre-mail, dispensationalist, moved on a bit. So I'm kind of, I have some sympathies in both camps. But in one of about eight articles I've already written on this situation since, right, two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago now with the invasion by Hamas. In one piece, I said, look, the reason I'm supporting Israel in this conflict, I can do it fully as a, you know, in a secular political way, right? A- Israel as a nation has a right to exist just like any other nation. And B, we should never support terrorism in any form and we should all condemn what Hamas did. So you can make that case, right? Fully supporting Israel, perhaps being totally bereft of any theological or biblical point of view. So um, that's kind of a third option as well. You can support Israel on secular grounds. But on this debate, yeah, you you certainly get much more gung-ho pro-Israel folks on the dispensational side, maybe not as much 
on the replacement theology side. So something to be aware of. Let's come back to this terminology, replacement theology, the idea that the Christian church has replaced the yep. people of Israel because, you know, since the first century and, uh, you know, the dispersion of the uh, Jewish people around the world, of course there's going to be importance, isn't there, on a date, 1948, uh, when Israel yep. is reinstated yep. as a nation. And yep. is, it a, is it the case, do you think, maybe that some theology, which, you know, takes a long time to go through the system of history, uh, hangs over from pre-1948, all of a sudden, 1948 comes Israel is there, there's fulfillment that so many would see as a biblical prophecy coming to bear. Yep. And and all of a sudden you've got to adjust the way you think theologically about how history is unfolding. Is that a possibility? Yep. Oh, yeah, sure. That's all part of it. We can look at history, theology, uh, you know, a million things as we try to get our heads around all this. Um, again, if you were dispensational and you saw 1948, you were thrilled. It, you know, this is biblical prophecy. It's all coming about. Uh, again, those in the replacement camp would say, well, not necessarily. What happened in 1948 is not, you know, fulfillment of whatever Ezekiel 37, 38, 39, you know, the dry bones coming to life, the whole bit. Uh, in fact, they, their whole claim is basically all of the disobedience, all of the sin, and primarily the rejection of Messiah 2,000 years ago is why basically God has kind of had this new program now with the Gentiles, the church. Uh, again, a few quick things to say about this. There's, there's, you can get biblical truth on both sides, so it gets complex. Uh, the biggest thing we have to worry about or try to get our heads around is Romans 9 through 11, right? That's the biggest New Testament passage that says, or seems to say, right, Israel has got a future, right? God has not abandoned uh, Israel. In fact, you Gentiles, don't get cocky. Don't get uh, too wise in your own conceits. You were grafted into Israel, not the other way around. So everybody has to wrestle with Romans 9 through 11. However, on the other hand, and what the other camp would say is you do have actually lots of, uh, well, Old Testament terminology, references, even some prophecies that often New Testament writers seem to apply fully to the church, right? Well, just think of Peter. He's talking to Christians and he says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Where does that come from, right? That's straight out of Old Testament for Israel. So the point is, it's not that either camp has got nothing to say or no scripture. Actually, both camps have a fair amount. So the question is, you know, is one more correct than the other? Or if you wanted, there's a thing called promise theology, which is kind of a mediating position. One people of God, but two aspects. One program of God, but two aspects. That's kind of a way to have, you know, a bit of uh, your bob on both camps here and try to get the best of both if you can. But generally speaking, both camps tend not to like mediating positions. They think either by my view or their view, but you can't come up. So anyway, a lot of, lot of discussion. <coughs> and in the meantime, uh, the people of Israel are there in the middle and Christians are debating uh, how yep. important they are. Uh, so I know we haven't got a lot of time to unpack a lot more yep. depth and maybe there's a conversation for another day, Bill, but I know that you do have a whole lot of reference material that people can go to to perhaps 
read a little deeper on this and perhaps just talking about this today just rouses something in some listeners to say I need to find out some more. Is there something or is there a particular author who might have something really worthwhile to share for someone who's just getting into an understanding of some of these complexities? Yeah, well, well, there's there's heaps. There's lots, many authors. Uh, if the reader or listener does go to the piece on replacement theology, I list at the bottom uh, 21 books. <laughs> Uh, probably tell for the most part from the title, right, which camp they're in. So I list those books. You can, you know, in fact, there's a number of books out which are just, right, multiple views, right, many perspectives. So you can get one volume, which will have three or four of the main perspectives all in one book. So if you're a bit confused, want an introduction, don't know where to go, I list some of those books as well in my bibliography. So that might be a good place to start. Uh, it'd be hard to pick one over another. Uh, well, at the bottom of my list, I do mention a few I might run with, but have a look there, and that might be of help, especially if you're kind of newish to this whole debate. And recognizing just how complex some of these arguments are, is it worthwhile for listeners today, Bill, to appreciate that there is one vine? And uh, God has set up that vine and that Christians are grafted in uh, and not replacing that vine. Is there any way that you can simply even use some of those metaphors like a vine to appreciate just where we might fit in conjunction with God's people and his purposes? Yeah, well, absolutely. Again, that's what Paul does in Romans 9 to 11. And some of these mediating camps that I mentioned, they would do much the same, right? Um, sure, you got a lot of New Testament passages seeming to say, you know, we are Israel of old, or we kind of fulfill what Israel was meant to be. Probably the best way they'd want to put it is Christ actually is the one who fulfills, right? Everything Israel was meant to be, everything Adam, Moses, David, Israel— Jesus is the perfect one, and of course, Christians are in Christ, so in that sense, we kind of fulfill what, right, the Old Testament prophecies, but uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm happy to take a bit of truth from each. I'm you know, not going to jump on anybody if they hold one to the other, just in terms of one quick last practical thing, which you kind of mooted. Uh, you won't find uh, many critics of Israel, and you will find many enemies of Hamas, certainly in the dispensational camp, but sadly, sometimes, not always, but sometimes in the other camp, because they seem to have a more theologically cavalier view of present and future Israel, well, sometimes I found some who, you know, they, they don't seem to care about what Hamas did, they don't seem to care about Israel's right to defend itself, so on that front, I'm 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 kind of concerned. Sure, not everybody in this group is like that, but some are. And well, I just been looking at one of Michael Brown's older books today, Christian anti-Semitism. Hate to say it, it does exist. And he looks, of course, at you know how much maybe does replacement theology lead to uh, some bits of Christian anti-Semitism. So a lot of stuff to think about and pray about. You know, God, search my heart. Uh, you know, how, you know, my views on Israel, where is it coming from? 
Well, there's certainly an, uh, plenty of room there for uh, a review of some of the things we've been talking about today. As you did say, Bill, there's a list of authors who've been writing about this on the article that we're talking about on replacement theology and introduction. And uh, for listeners who are concerned about that, uh, good to do a little more study and find a position of your own. Uh, But as you say, Bill, uh, supporting the people of Israel, praying for the peace of Jerusalem, that's going to be an important element for all of us in the conflict that's going on right now. And there are all sorts of reasons, not just theological, that we ought to side with the people of Israel who are certainly victims uh, to the attack from Hamas, and they do have a right to defend themselves. You'll be able to find the article we're talking about today at billmuhlenberg.com or simply Google Culture Watch One Word. Bill, thanks so much for another great update today on 2020. Many thanks. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.